Okay, we're starting off from Gimel Amadalov, the first line of the top of the Yamud. The Gemara here is in the middle of discussing all the Psukim that it says by Pada Aduma. It goes through the Seder of the Psukim of the Parsha. And it started before on Dafmembeza Mudbeiz Ullah goes goes through all the Psukim. And he starts saying an interesting thing that when you look at the Psukim there in the Parsha, some of them, the, the, the previous Pasik and then the following Pasik, they don't go together. Like one Pasik is sort of uprooting of the mashmas of the previous Pasik. And sometimes you have the Pasik that follows that's actually continuing with the halacha that it says in the previous Pasik. The Lashon of the Gemara before was that you have mashma miyad mashma when you have a pasuk that actually takes out of what it said before, and then you have mashma memela, which means that you continue with the same pshat that it said before. So we'll see here in the continuation of the psukim how this is applied. Vishachat oisa. So it says regarding the paraduma that you should check the paraduma. What do you learn out from oisa that you should check it? You have to shech the para duma alone and you don't shech another para together with it. I saw Mepharshim say that this means that you're actually doing the shechita of two animals at the very same time. When you're using a very long knife and shechting them together. It doesn't refer to shechting one and then the other because that's not ima. If you're going to use a very long knife to shech both together, that's what the Pasuk is coming to exclude. Then it says that the shechita should be done lefanov, in front of him. What does this mean? lefanov. So here the Gemara brings the two interpretations that we had before between Rav and Shmuel. Le Rav, according to Rav's opinion, what this is teaching me is that Elazar Akayin is the one that shechts it, but it says lefanov, even though he's doing it, because it's telling him that he should pay attention to what he's doing and he should not take his mind off of the paraduma and not let it become tummy and so on. Shmuel, according to Shmuel, what does the word Lefanov teach me? <coughs> because it says Lefanov, we know that the Zar, someone else is doing the Shechite, and it's in front of Elazar. He's the one that sees the Shechite being done. From here, Shmuel learns out that by Para Duma, Azar is the one that does the Shechite. Continuing, the Pasuk says over there, the Elazar Akayin has to take from the blood with his finger. And then he's going to spray it towards the Beis Mikdash. So what is the Pasuk here teaching me when it says that Allah Zerakayin is the one that does this? So Lishmuel, according to Shmuel, La Hadurei La Lazar. Here the Pasuk is telling me that we're returning it to Allah Before it said that it's Lefanov, that someone else does the Shechita. And now it's saying, no, that Allah is the one that takes the blood. Rav, according to Rav, that Allah is the one that did the Shechita as well. So really, it was not necessary for the Torah to say again Allah Zerakayin. It already said before Allah Zerakayin to exclude everyone else. So if it just says Velakach, I know that it's talking about Allah Zerakayin. So therefore here you have a double mute. It says by the Shechita Allah Zer, And then here it says a second time Allah Zerakayin. And the rule is When the Torah writes a double mute, it only comes to actually add and include. And here what it's saying is the Afila Kayin Hadyit. That even a kain hadyit could do the zrika of the dam. So the shechita has to be done through a lazar kain. But then when it says a second time, another miyot, it's coming to say that it could be done even through a kain hadyit. The pasta continues further. So the kain is going to take this ace eres and the ezev and the shni telas that's going to be thrown into the fire of the paraduma. So what is the pasta here coming to tell me when it says hakayin? According to Shmuel that says, that the shechita does not have to be done through a lazar. But then it says that taking the blood does have to be done through a lazar. 
So now when it says Kayin, what is it coming to say? Here it's coming to say that it can be done even through a Kayin Hadiyat. Rav, according to Rav, no, it's not coming to say that only this could be done through a kain hadith. Because according to Rav, even the, the, the blood, the taking of the blood could also be done through a kain hadith. So why does it have to say again, kain? So Itztrich, it has to tell me again that the Eitzeres and the Ezer and the Shnitelah should be done through a kain. Why? Otherwise I would think to say, Kivin the Lav Gufi the Paraninu, since these are not part of the body of the Paraduma itself, it wouldn't be necessary to have a kain to bring these things. Therefore the Pasuk has to specifically say that even this as well is done through a kain. Sarashi here points out that the difference between Rav and Shmuel is what the Gemara was one of the places where what the Gemara was saying before. According to Shmuel, when the Pasuk writes Hakoyin, it's coming to uproot from what it said before. Before it said that it has to be done specifically through Allah's Rakayin. And now the Pasuk is coming to say Hakoyin, that this can be done through any kind, even a Kayin Hadith. According to Rav, it's not coming to uproot what it said before, other Rav, it's coming to continue. That just like before it can be done through a Kayin Hadith, this as well could be done through a Kayin Hadith. So this is one of the examples of that concept, the difference here. The Pasuk continues, V'chibes begadav Hakoyin, that the Kayin washes his clothing. So why does it have to say Hakoyin? Again, we know we're speaking about the Kayin here. Bikihunai. What it's coming to say is that the Kayan has to be with his big day kuhuna. When he does this Aveda of the Para Duma, even though it's outside the base of Mikdash, you might think that he doesn't have to wear the big day kuhuna. So it says Hakayan that he has to wear the Kayan, the big day kuhuna. Then it says Vitamayakayan ad ha'orev, in the same Pasik that the Kayan he goes to the mikveh and then he has to wait until at night. So why does it have to say again Hakayan? We know it's the Kayan. So over here it's coming to tell me that Kayan bihihunai ledairis that the Kayan that's doing the Aveda has to be wearing the Big Day Kohona even in the future generations when you make the Paradum. It's not only for that generation, it's even for other generations as well. So now the Gemara explains this. It's well understood why we need a Pasuk to teach this to me. According to the opinion that says that in all future generations, who's the one that does the Aveda? It's the Kayan Hadyet, Shaper. So that makes sense. But there was another opinion that was quoted before in the end of Membeza Medbeis. So there there's one opinion that says that that in future generations it's actually different than it was the first time. If it doesn't need a Kayin, if it doesn't need a Lazar Zgan Kayin, who does the Aveda of the Paraduma? The Kayin Gadol himself. And the reason is that Mandamar, as Rashi brought before the Gemara says, you learn out from Chukka Chukka from, from Yom Kippur, that it has to be Dafka the Kayin Gadol. So if so, the Gemara asks, Hash the Kayan Gadol be non? If the Pasuk is saying that we need to have a Kayan Gadol, it's not even enough to have any Kayan, you must have the Kayan Gadol. And so in other words, in the future generations, we're sort of more Machmer than the first time. The first time a Lazar Kayan does it, or some parts a Kayan Hediyat does it, and there it requires to wear the Big Day Kohona. So in the future generations, if we're being more Machmer, and we require specifically the Kayan Gadol, B'Kihuna Mibaya, so needless to say that he has to wear the big day kohona. If you see that the Torah is being more stringent, more specific, for sure it's self-understood that you need a big day kohona. So the Gemara says, you're right. In, yes, milsed asir even though this is something that could be learned out with this kavachaymer here, but nevertheless, tarach v'kosav lakra. The Torah still goes ahead and writes this, as you have this many times, this is a rule that even something that could be learned with a Kavachaymer, the Torah writes it out specifically because sometimes a Kavachaymer could be refuted so the Torah doesn't rely on the Kavachaymer. Continuing in the Pesukim there by Parah Aduma. 
A pure person has to come and gather the ashes of the para duma. So here it doesn't say anymore a kayan. It just says ish tahir. And he places it in a holy in a, in a pure place. So what does this mean? Who's this person? Ish, when it says it's a person, it comes to say, unlike the previous psukim, where it said specifically a kayan, that it could be done even through a zar. And then when it says tahoir, it comes to actually exclude even further to say, that not only are we excluding a kayan, that could be a zar, but we're actually saying that it could even be a woman. It doesn't have to be a man. And then when it says vihiniach, what does it say in the Pasuk there? That vihiniach b'mokim toir has to be placed in a pure place. Mi sheyesh das. It has to be done through someone that has das. You have to be a bar mitzvah, bar, bar, bar das. Laniach, to be able to put it in a pure place. A bar das will know how to, know how to find the pure place to put it. That's how Mepharshim explained this. Yatsu cheresh shaitu v'katan shem bem das laniach. Which excludes a cheresh shaitu v'katan that don't have the das to know where to put it down. So therefore, the whole pasuk, when it says va'asaf, everything done in this pasuk has to be done through a benda, a bardas. But it doesn't have to be a man; it could be a woman. The Gemara continues with a Mishnah that uh, is connected to this. Tanan Hasam. So the Mishnah in Masech Teparet says, "Hakol Ksherin Lakadish. Everybody is fit to be mekadish the waters, which is to pour the waters into the ashes. Chutz Misheres Shaiti Vikotn. Besides, a cher, a shaita, or a cotton that can't do it. Rabbi Yehuda, machsher be cotton. Rabbi Yehuda says that a cotton could do it, but upaisel be isha. But he says that a woman cannot pour the waters to be, to be makadish the waters in the ashes. So the Tanakhama is saying that even a woman could do it. But a cher, a shaita, a cotton can't. Rabbi Yehuda is sort of saying the reverse. That a cotton could, but Aisha cannot, and a badreganis as well. And a badreganis, which is a suffix, if he's a man or a woman, also cannot do it. So the Gemara now explains the source for their machlekes. My time, uh, what's the basis for their machlekes? They have the opposite opinions here. So we go, we continue in the psukim over there to see how, how, how we interpret this. So the Pasuk there says, So you gather for the person that's tome from the ashes of the chatos. And then you're going to pour the water inside. So who's the one that does this? So we learn out this Pasuk comes right after it says, V'asaf. The one that, they, that you gather the ashes, and then it says you take the afas refes achatas and you pour the water inside. So therefore, the Tanakhama says, Hanach, the postli lechaba sife, the same individuals that are not fit, that cannot gather the ashes, postli lechaba bekiddush, are also going to be not fit to, to do the kiddush, to sanctify, the, to pour the waters inside the ashes. Because it continues right after the previous pasik, right? So what did we say before? That a cotton cannot do so, right? It, it said that Ishtahir meant that even a woman could do it, but then it said Vihiniach that excluded a cotton. So therefore the Tanakhama says the same thing applies to the Kiddush, to pouring the water, that it could be done even through an Isha, but it cannot be done through a Kherashay to the cotton. So Vahanach, the Achshri Lachaba Sifa, Achshri Lachaba Kiddush, the ones that could do it over there to gather the ashes, or Isha even, could do it over here as well. That's the Tanakhama's opinion. So this is an example where the Pasik is following the same standard of what it said in the previous Pasik, which the Gemara before calls Memela, Mashma Memela, that we're going with the same standard. 
But Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, no, this Pasuk is actually coming to uproot what it said before. Because if it's a continuation, why doesn't it use a singular term? That's just like, just like it uses before. Before it says, and so then it should say, and he goes and takes the water and the ashes and pours the water. Why does it say a plural term? It's coming to say that even a cotton that was puzzled there, but for this it would be kosher. So, but Isha Minale, from where does he know? He, so he says, Rabbi Yudha says that Isha would be puzzled. From where does he know that Isha is puzzled? The answer is because it says Vinosan, which is a Lashon Zachar, that he puts the water, gives the water inside. Veloi Vinosna, doesn't say Vinosna, Lashon Nekeva. So therefore the, the change of the Lashonis here, because it says Velakhu, and then it says Venosan, we know to include a cotton and to exclude an Isha. Rabbanon, according to the Rabbanon, how does he explain the change of the language of the Venosan, If the Torah would write Velakach, and then Venosan, which, the which is the way it should have been written, because according to the Rabbanon, it's continuing the standard from before. But then, Havamina, we think to say, that has to be the same person that gathers, that brings the ashes and also puts the water. That's what I would think. It says, one person. Therefore, so the title says, a plural term, that uh, there's two people that can take the ashes together, and then another person comes and pours the water. On the other hand, if we use the plural term for both, for velokhu, for, for uh, taking the ashes together, and then and then venosna and putting the water. I would think add the shakli There has to be two people having the ashes there, bringing the ashes there, and also two people <coughs> pouring the water. So therefore, cause of Rahman, the Torah says velokhu, that two people take the ashes, and then venosan, and one person pours the water, which means that fill a shakli today. Two people that are bringing the ashes, v'yav chad, and one person pours the water, it's also good. So as the Mepharshim explained, the main point that the Rabbanan are trying to learn out from the change of the Lashon of the Pasuk here is that it doesn't have to be the, the same person that's bringing the ashes and the same person which is pouring the water. V'lakhu is two people and then v'nasan is one person, so we see that it's not necessarily the same person. The Gemara continues with the Psukim Vaiter, exactly who does it. I mean, all, all these Psukim, the main subject over here is discussing who's the one that does it. Does it have to be a Kain, kain Hadiet or a Sgan Kain like a Lazar? Or it could be any person? Does it have to be a, could it be a Isha? Could it be a Cotton? So the, the theme of all these Psukim here is the different parts of the process of preparing the Paraduma. Who is the one that does it? So now we come to the next part of the process. V'lokach, Ezoiv, you take the Ezoiv some kind of a grass, and you dip it into the water. And who does this? Ishtahir. One that does this is an Ishtahir. So who is this Ishtahir? So these are extra words, because it already said before, so when it says now, what is it coming to say here? So according to the Rabbanon, now when the Torah says Ishtahir, it's coming to say, that it has to be specifically a man and not a woman. In other words, not like before, where Ishtar, we said that Tar includes a woman, but here if the Torah repeats it again, it's coming to exclude a woman. And when it says Tahir, so Tahir means anyone that's pure, it's coming to add somebody. Well, who's it coming to add? It's coming to say that even a cotton can do this, to spray the water, to take the Ezev and then spray the water at someone. According to Rav Yehuda, it's going to come out different. 
Ish v'loy cotton. Ish means it has to be a man and not a cotton. And toir is l'hachshar isha. And toir comes to be machshar isha. In other words, the way we learn this is, whatever we learned before, over here it's going to be the opposite. Because the Torah, when it writes ish toir, it's extra. So it has to be opposite from the way it was before. So before, what was the Tanakhama's opinion? The Tanakhama said that a isha could, uh, could be the one to pour the waters inside. In other words, to mix the water with the, with the ashes. A isha could do it. And a cotton, a chadashait of a cotton cannot. That's the Tanakama's opinion. So therefore now when it says Ishtoyer again, we're going to say that it means actually the exact opposite. That over here, Ishtoyer comes to say that uh, Isha cannot do it and uh, a cotton could do it. According to Rabbi Yehuda, which was, it, it was exactly the reverse. Rabbi Yehuda is the one that said that a cotton could do it. So now it's coming to say that a cotton can't do it. And he said that before a isha cannot do it. Now it's coming to say that a isha could do it. So again, this is an example where we see that because the Torah is repeating the same words again, ish, toyer, and it's extra, so we have no choice. And what, what, the only way to explain it is that the Pasuk now is uprooting what it said before. But the Gemara asks on this, Meisve, ask you a question. Because it says in the Mishnah Paraduma by Mesechta Pare, Hakoyel Ksheid and Lahazis. Anybody could be the one to sprinkle, to spray the waters of the Paraduma at someone that's Tommy. Chutz mitumtum v'adreginis v'isha. Besides the tumtum, adreginis and isha, they are a suffix. They might be an isha, so a woman cannot do it. And, and then it says, even a cotton could also spray the waters. V'kotten, sheyesh by das. A cotton, according to most opinions, you're going to see yesh, that he has das. Isha misayatoi, a woman could help him out to do this, and but really the cotton is the one that's doing it, and the, the, the spraying of the waters could be done through a cotton. So this is like the opinion of the Rabbonon, and Isha uh, misayatoi umaza, and the, the, the cotton could spray the waters. The reason why the cotton still needs das, it can't be a cotton which is very young that has no idea what he's doing, because the, the spraying of the waters has to be with the kavana to be metaya the person, so he has to have das. But the Isha is Masayata Yomaza, and he can spray the waters. So, what does it say in this Mishnah? That the only one that cannot spray the waters of the Pada Aduma is a Isha, which was like the opinion of the Tanakhama. And we don't see it that Rabbi Yehuda argues on this. We just said that according to Rabbi Yehuda, a Isha cannot do it. But here we don't see that Rabbi Yehuda argues on this. So, Abaye says, no, it doesn't matter, even though you have a Mishnah, and there Rabbi Yehuda doesn't argue. But Kivin the Omar, since as the master had said before, Mashma Moitzi Miyad Mashma. When you have an extra Pasik, so sometimes it the only way to interpret it is that the next Pasik is, is coming to uproot what it was written before. And sometimes the Pasik is coming to continue the standard that it said before. So over here, Polik, the only way to explain these Psukim according to Rabbi Yehuda is to say that he argues in the Tanakhama. Because again, the point here is that when it says, the words Ishtar were extra. It said right before that, why is it saying it again? So however you're going to explain Ishtar before, if the Tate is saying again Ishtar, it's going to have to be different than what it said before. So therefore it comes out that it's a machlaikis between Rabbanan and Rabbi Yehuda. So even though it's not spelled out in the Mishnah, but this is the machlaikis here. The Gemara continues with the next psukim by Paraduma, Vihiza hatoir alatome. That a person that's toir sprays the water on someone which is tome. So why does it say again toir? Again, this is an extra pasik. It said before, ish toir. Why does it say again toir? Toir, it's telling you that he's a, that he's a person which is now toir, meklal shahu tome. 
Because it's telling you that this is an individual that was Tomei, and he just became Tar now. Limit, this comes to teach you, al Tvul Yoim, to a person that just went to the mikveh today, and he didn't yet wait until Tzeisekechavim, until at night, Shekosher Bepara, that he's kosher to do all the, to, 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 to spray the waters of the Pada Duma. This was all the way at the beginning of the Mesechta. This was one of the reasons why, regarding Pada Duma, they would have a person become, be completely tired, and then they would be metamehim, and then he would do the zrika of the paraduma, the dazo, that is, of the paraduma, when he was a tful yayim, to be mighty from the opinion of the tzedaikim, if you remember. Okay, Amravasi, Saravasi says, Ki havuba rab yechenen v'reshlokish. When rab yechenen and reshlokish were discussing the para, the halachas of paraduma. So loy maskim they they did not take out of this, they didn't come to, to, to this, only as much as a fox would bring up through his st- footsteps that he steps on a on earth that was um, plowed. What Rashi says, what this means is that when you have a fox that's walking on the earth that was plowed, so there's just a little bit of dust that comes up from the earth. Not a lot of earth comes up. So the same thing also, what the Gemara is saying is, when they learned the halachas of Pada Duma, so it's sort of interesting, you have an entire parsha, and sometimes it's not very consistent. Sometimes the psukim are being oikir, what it says before, and sometimes the psukim are not being oikir, they're coming to add and keeping the standard of what it said before, like we just uh, had said, mashma moitzimiyad mashma, and mashma memela. So when Rabbi Yechen and Rishlakish learned, then they tried to analyze the psukim deeper to see maybe there's a way how we could make the psukim more consistent, that it shouldn't have to be uprooting and so on, but it was impossible. This is the only way how to learn these psukim. Like they didn't change of anything that we said before. So this is the expression they use, like, a, like when you take footsteps, and it, there's not much that comes up from the earth from this. Ela Omri, they said, Mashma, Moitzimiyad Mashma. Some psukim are coming to uproot what it said before. Umashma Memele. And sometimes the psukim are keeping the standard of what it said before. That's the conclusion of all the psukim, the Gemara Herdashans, all the psukim of Paraduma. Now we come back to the main theme that this whole thing started with, because we started about the, the Shechita of the part of the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur. Does it have to be done through the Kohen Gadol? And then the Gemara connected that to the Shechit of the Paraduma. Does the Shechit of the Paraduma have to be done through a Kohen? So now, Tani Tana Kameh Rabbi Yechenen. There was a Tana that learned a Braise in front of Rabbi Yechenen. Kol HaShechites Ksheris Bizar. All Shechites can be done through a Zar. Chutz Mishal Para. The only one that's an exception is Paraduma that has to be done through a Kohen. So this, was, this, this is the opinion of Rav. Rabbi Yechenen says that, uh, sorry, Shmuel held that even a, a, a paraduma has to, uh, be, could be done through a czar. So Amalei Rabbi Yechenen, Rabbi Yechenen says regarding this, Puk Tani Lebra, go and learn this, take this outside of the Bismedrish, because this is not true. We never find any shechita to be possible by a czar, including here, even by paraduma. Now the Gemara says, Rabbi Yechenen's opinion, that he was so sharp about this, that he said that this is the, the paraduma, the shechita of a paraduma is no different than any other shechita, and it can be done through azar. Not only is he not listening to this Tana that taught this Bryce in front of him, he even didn't listen to what his own teacher taught him about this. Rabbi Yechenen himself repeated in the name of one of his teachers, Rabbi Shimon ben Yitzadok, Shchitas para bizar psula. The shchita of a pa of the paraduma through a zar is going to be possible. But then he said, Va'ani oimer. I, however, say 
Kshayda, that it is going to be kosher even with Hazar, like every other Shechita. Because loy matzinu shechita shapsula bizar. We never find any shechita of any kachim, including the paraduma, that will be possible if it's done through azar. Okay, now we come back to the Mishnah where it spoke about the avayd of the kohen gadol yom kippur. What does it say? Baloy eitzel parishnia. After they finish making the gadol for the two seirim, so then he comes back to the par that was there between the ulam and the mizbeach. He already did smicha and vidui on it once. He comes back and does smicha and vidui a second time. But there's a difference. The first vidui, the Kayan Gadol only said vidui for himself and his wife. The second vidui, he says for himself and for all the Kayanim. So the Gemara asks, What's the difference that by the first vidui, he doesn't include in his vidui all the Kayanim, or Maishnab Vidui when he comes to the second vidui, that he adds the Omar of Bnei Aaron Amkdishecha. And now he adds all of the Bnei Aaron and he says Amkdishecha. So it seems like the Gemara is asking, why does he say vidui twice? And also, maybe they say this should be in the reverse. Maybe the first time you should say vidui for all the Kayanim. And then the second time he should say vidui for himself. Why is this the order? Tana de Rabbi Shmol. So he answers the reason is because kachi midesadin, kachi midesadin noisenes. This is what's appropriate to be done. That motive yavai zakai v'yachaper alachayev. It's better that a person that's already zakai he already confessed for himself. So now he's is already zakai. So he should come and atone for those for his brothers the kainim that are chayiv. So he comes afterwards to say a vidui for them. And he shouldn't come right in the beginning before he even said vidi for himself and say vidi for his brothers, the Kayanim, if he himself did not confess for himself. So therefore that's the order. First he confesses for himself and then he confesses also in the name of his brothers, the Kayanim. So now we continue the Mishnah with the Aveda of the Kayan Gadol. So after he says the vidui on this par, so Shachta, he shechts this par, the par of the Kayan Gadol, Vikibel b'mizrak, and he receives the blood in the in the in the bowl that he received the blood as damai and the, the blood. So it's interesting. The mission here says the lotion of shachtai. Mefarshim point this out because in the previous mission by the carbon tamid, what was the lotion that said again? Kartsai, right? Kartsai means that he just gives a slit the throat, but he doesn't complete the shechita because he has to accept the blood so someone else completes the shechita. Here in the mission it says shachtai. So some rishonim say it, it uses the general term shachtai. But it also means that he only starts the shechita like before. But other Rishayim say that no, over here he has to do the entire shechita because before it was talking about the tamid, which is not the unique part of the kohen gadol for the day of yom kippur. But over here, because this is the part from yom kohen gadol and yom kippur, so he has to do the entire shechita. So then, what do you do with this blood? You give it to a kohen that's going to be mixing this blood. And where does he stand? Where does he put it? On the fourth row of the tiles by the Heichel. The Bishamikdash had the floor tiles of, uh, of uh, Shayish, of marble tiles. And there was different rows of these tiles. And it was placed by, specifically by the fourth tile of the Heichel. That's where he would mix it. What was the reason? So the blood should not congeal. Because you're not going to do the zrika of this blood right away. As we'll see here, the next Avedah of the Kayan Gadol is going to be to do the Ketairas, to take the Ketairas into the Kaidash Kedoshim. And only after he's done with the Ketairas does he come back to do the Zrika of the Dam. So you don't want it to congeal, so someone has to keep on mixing the blood. And now Natal Machte takes this pan or this kind of a shovel, and he goes up to the Mizbeach, and he sort of uh, pushes the coals aside. 
because he wants to see to get good calls. And then he shovels out of those coals that are fully burnt through and through. Those that are inside, which means that they still, they're not the ones that are on the, on the outside, did not have a, a fire inside. It has to be from the inside, which means that it's still burning. It's a hot flaming coal. Not mamish with a flame, but the inside it's a red coal. And then, he goes off to Dantum Nuzbeach. And he places this down on the fourth pile in the Azara. So, because he's not yet ready to take it into the Kaidash Akadashim. According to most uh, Mefarshim, what does this Revit or Bazara mean? You count from the Mizbeach going towards the Heichel, he counts four tiles and he puts it down four tiles right over there, which is not the same place as, as the place where the blood was. And now the Mishnah explains the differences that there are between the Aveda of the Ketairas to what was done every day in the Beis Mikdash, and the Aveda of the Ketairas the way it was done on Yom Kippur. Every single day, so he had two different shovels. He had a shovel or a sort of a pan that was of a silver. He shoveled out coals and he would pour it into a silver, into a gold pan. And but today, he would just shovel with the, a gold pan. And he just had one pan, and that's the one that he would go take into the Kaidash Akadoshim. As we'll see in the Gemara, a lot of these distinctions here between every day and Yom Kippur is based on one simple thing, that we don't want to overwork the Kayin Gadol on this day because he has to do all the Aved himself and he's fasting, so therefore we make it easier for him. So here as well, he shouldn't have to have two different pans in his hands. He has one gold pan and that's the one that he goes into the Kodesh HaKadoshim with. B'chal every day, arbas kavin. So he, he shovels out four kavin, umaare, and he pours out into the other pan, which was Latech Shleish's kavin, which was only uh, three kavin. But today, he has this one pan that was only uh, had the amount of three kavin in it, and that's the one that he brought in. Rabbi Yaisi says, no, the measurement was different. Every day he would measure out with one which is a saw, which is six kaven. And then he would pour it into the gold pan, which was only from three kaven. And today it's done just with one pan, which is of three kaven. And that's the one that he came and brought it into the Kedosh HaKadosh. Another difference, every day the material and the thickness of this shovel that he used was heavy. Today it was made with a thinner material that it should be done light for the Kayin Gadol. Every day, the handle of this shovel was short and he had to hold it in his hand and balance it and hold it in his hand. And today, the handle of this shovel was made long, so it shouldn't just be in his hand, but it also stuck, sticks out, and he could also balance it with his elbow to hold it in position, so it should be easier for him. There's another distinction. Uh, what am I holding over here? Every day, the gold, the material of this gold, of the shovel, was a yellow gold. And today it was a redder gold, it was a darker, more expensive gold. This is Rab Menachem's opinion. So it seems like that the Tanakhama doesn't agree to this. As the Mepharshim point out that the Rambam, when he quotes all the distinctions, he doesn't uh, quote this. So it's, it's, it's Rab Menachem's opinion. Every day, the, the Ketiris is divided into two portions, half in the morning and half in the afternoon. 
Bahayim, and today, Moisif Meloy Chafnov. He adds, he has to take with his handfuls, and he, he adds from that to bring inside the Kaidish HaKadoshim, as we'll see later in the Gemara, and it'll explain exactly how this is done with his hands. Every day they would grind the, the, the spices for the Ketairis to be very thin. Today it was, it was ground to be extra thin. Every day when the Kainan would go up the ramp, so where would they go up? They would go up on the Mizrach of the ramp. Where was, how was the Mizbech positioned? The ramp was on the Dorim side, so the Kainan Gadol is going up on Dorim and he's facing Tzofen. So what's going to be on his right side? Mizrach is on his right. So the, when a Kayan goes up the Mizbeach, he always has to turn right. So therefore he goes up on the ramp towards the right of the ramp. It was a, quite a wide ramp. So he goes up on the right side of the ramp, Mizrach, to be able to turn immediately towards Mizrach. So he shouldn't have to go any extra. And then the Yardin, when they come down, Bimaravai, they would come down on the other side, on Maidav's side. But Vahayayim, today, on Kippur, Kayan Gadol, Oyle Bemtza, Vyayrid Bemtza. He would walk up in the center of the ramp and he would come down on the center of the ramp. It shows more of Chshivas that he's able to go in the middle. Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yudah says, The Kayangadl always, because of his prominence, he always walked up in the center of the ramp. And he comes down in the middle. Another difference on Yom Kippur, this is not regarding the Ketayres, but Bechlal, Bechoyem every day, Kayangadl, Mekadish, Yodavaraglav, Menakir. The Kayin Gadol would wash his hands from the Kir, just like all the other Kayinim. Today he washed his hands from a golden basin that, 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 that was prepared for him specially. We learned about this before, according to some opinions, it was, it was uh, done even when he was not dressed Bechlal. And it was done where in the, uh, by the mikveh there. No, it was done in the, uh, in the, which chamber was it done again? In the Lishkas Pal Hedrin, was it? Huh? Uh, or in the Lishkas uh, Parva, on the top of the Lishkas Parva. Okay, so he had this golden basin that he used. <coughs> Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, It's not only on Yom Kippur. The Kohen Gadol was always different. He always used a gold keli to wash himself from it. Another difference every day. On the Mizbeach, there were four different fires. We learned until now that there were two fires, the main fire and a side fire on the Marovis Dremis, but the Gemara will explain four fires. And today we added another fire to take from it the coals to go into the Kedesh HaKadoshim, a fifth fire. Rabbi Yaisi says, Every day there were three fires. Today they added a fourth fire. Rabbi Yudai, like we learned before, that every day there were two, the main in the middle and one at the side. In Vahayayim Shalish. And today there were three different fires in the Beis HaMikdash. One of the things you see here in this Mishnah is, and this you see Bechlal from the Masechta, the main Aveda of the Kain Gadol Yom Kippur that was the big Chiddush was the Ketairis. That was the main Aveda. And the reason is, that Rebbe speaks about this in the Sikha, what's the special connection of the Ketairis to Yom Kippur? It's because Ketairis represents Tshuva. The Ketairis is you take spices and it actually also includes one of the spices which is the Chelbana, which is a spice that has a bad smell and you bring it all on together in the Beis HaMikdash and it creates actually a, a pleasant uh, smell, it's such a pleasant smell. If you remember we learned before that it wasn't only in the Beis HaMikdash but all the way till Yerichai that smell reached that they didn't have to uh, use any perfume and so on. So the Rambam in Meir Nebuchim says that the point of the mitzvah of the Ketairis is to remove all bad odors and to introduce a good smell which is representative of the Indian of Tshuva. On Yom Kippur, this is, there's also this union of tshuva, but on Yom Kippur, the tshuva of the ketairis is on a higher level. It's the ketairis going into the lufnayav lufnim. Just like you find later in the Gemara, that there's tshuva meyireh, there's tshuva meyave. 
We had it actually before also. There's different levels of tshuva. So the tshuva of Yom Kippur is the tshuva of the ketaydes, which is brought lefnai v'lefnim. It's dakim and adaka, which represents the deepest level of the neshama v'yid. It's a higher level of tshuva. That was the main avayda of Yom Kippur.